Um, I'd like us to to uh, continue the journey that we began last week. Last week, I didn't have a name for this little series that I'm doing. I normally don't preach in series, but I felt the Lord impress this uh, series upon me, and I'm, I'm calling it The Real Deal. The Real Deal. How many of you like it when you get The Real Deal? Okay? When I was a kid, um, I always felt like I never had The Real Deal. All my friends had name brand products, but I never had name brand products. I went on the basketball floor in shoes that had a name on the side that nobody had ever heard of, and I was not cool because I did not have the real deal. Do you know what? All the, all the real basketball players, they had Air Jordans. And I cannot believe that, that uh, like 30 years later, that's still the in shoe. That's pretty crazy. Uh, but uh, I did not have the real deal. But I... You know, when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to my walk with God, uh, you know, it's not important with shoes and fashion, is it? That's the world's game. But with, but with the Lord, I want the real deal. I want everything that God has for me. Amen? Anybody else agree that you want everything that God's got for you? And so I don't want a form of godliness. I don't want to just be a religious person that ascribes to some do's and don'ts in a, in a religious kind of a way, or I just go through the genuflect motions week in and week out, or I'm just, a, I'm just in church because that's where my friends are, and it's a social thing. Um, no, no I, the, not any of that. I want the real deal. And so last week we began to talk about uh, signs that, that uh, you can know, because I believe, I believe with my whole heart, you can know that you know that you know that you know that you know that you're on your way to heaven. You don't have to wonder what's going to happen when I die. Well, I mean, you don't know the mystery of it all, and you don't know how it's all going to happen, and you don't know exactly. You've got kind of a little uh, fogged-over picture of what it's going to be like that's in severe black and white, but you know where you're going. You know you're on your way to heaven. And there are so many people that are hopeless that are just throwing caution to the wind and saying, well, I hope I've been good enough. But Jesus came that we might know, that we might know, that we might have an assurance. Hallelujah. The teaching of the Word of God is that you might not be left in the dark, but that you might know. And so, Some of you teenagers, you have, you have friends that don't have the real deal. All they've got is the world. And you are called to be the example to them. Amen? You are called to be the ones that carry the real deal. Thank you, Jesus. In John chapter 1, in verse 12, it says this. As many as received him, to them he gave the right, everybody say right, to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born 
of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, I thank you that you have given us everything that we need to live for you. And I pray that as we, as we work through the, the word of God today, that you would speak to hearts. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I just want to declare that it is important that every person be in the family of God. It is important that every person be in the family of God. One of you shared with me that you were visiting uh, somebody that had gotten trouble. And the sheriff basically said, what are you visiting that person for? And your response was, because that person is a person. And I want to tell you that it is important that every single person be in the family of God. A criminal on the cross, therefore murder and insurrection, was not too far gone. There is nobody that's too far gone. And it is imperative that every single person have an opportunity to become part of, the, uh, part of the family of believers. Hallelujah. The family of believers. And I have good news that depending on how you respond to the Word, depending on how mankind responds to the Word, it, that every one of us has that opportunity today to become part of the family of God. And if you're here this morning and you realize, you know what, I'm not for sure. I don't know in my heart of hearts that I am a follower of Jesus Christ, that I have the real deal. I want you to know that that opportunity today is right here. And you don't have to leave this place wondering. But you can leave this place knowing I I'm a child of God. God has given you that right to become a son, to become a daughter in the kingdom. We're his children. So next time you hear somebody say, oh, we're all God's children, you can say, no, that's not true. Now, we are all created in his image, and we are all worthy of dignity and respect and honor because we're created in the image of God. But we are not all children of God. We are born again as we receive Christ, and those are the children of God. And that is a distinction that we need to keep clear. And so last week I started part one, and I said, well, how do I know that I'm born again? And we looked at Romans chapter 8, verse 14, and I'm not going to preach that message again. Don't get nervous. But I am going to uh, say this. Romans eight fourteen says, as many as are led by the Spirit. Everybody say, led by the Spirit. These are the sons of God. And so if you want to know, am I, do I have the real deal? One of the questions you can ask yourself is, am I a person that's led by the Spirit? And so if you're going to be led, that means you are a follower, right? And so that means that you have a care and a concern about what God thinks about the details of my life. 
And so if you're single and you're looking for a life mate, it matters who you date. And I ought to be seeking God about that. It matters where I work. It matters who my best friends are. It matters. It matters. All of these things matter to a person that wants to be led by the Spirit. Right? If you want to be led by the Spirit uh, of God, uh, then that's a good sign in your heart. As many as are the sons of God, the daughters of God, the children of God, they are led by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And so that's a sign. And so if you're just going through life and you're making all your own decisions without a care in the world as to what God thinks, then you need to check yourself. Do I have the real deal or not? And can I tell you, it's a beautiful thing to be led by, the, led by God. Because every time I've led myself, you know, how's that working out for you? How's that working out for you? Doing things on your own. God did not design you to do things on your own. And when you do it on your own, guess where it always leads? Can I tell you that people are not as happy as, as uh, they look to be? People are not as happy as they look to be. It's, uh, it's a lonely, hard world. And most people are medicating themselves through life. And their medication might be prescription or not. Or it might be substances or not. Some people are medicating themselves with entertainment, with this or with that. But most people are medicating themselves through life when things get quiet and their, pillow, their head's on the pillow at night. They're not happy. It's not working out. It's not working out. But I want the real deal. I was created to be led by the Holy Spirit. And when I'm led by the Holy Spirit, I'm fulfilling my destiny. When I'm led by the Holy Spirit, I'm happy. You know, when I'm led by the Holy Spirit, I know the blessing of God. When I'm led by the Holy Spirit, there is peace in my life. The, the things that, that I'm really was looking for in the world, I have found them in Jesus Christ. And that's the way it's supposed to be. And I want to talk about the second, the second thing that's on my heart in this little series called The Real Deal. I want to talk about uh, the second sign that I've got the real deal. And here it is. The love of God is in your life. And I probably should have preached this one first because I believe it's the most important. The love of God is in your life. The love of God is in your life. And it changes everything. When your heart opens up to the love of God, wow! It's like somebody switches, switches the light on in your life. God's love changes everything. I want to tell you that the love of God is the most important. It is the, the, the most powerful entity in the, in, the, in the universe. It's the love of God. 
The love of God is the reason that you're here. The love of God is the reason that you live and move and have your being and go about life. The love of God is what motivated him to send Jesus, his son, for God so loved the world. The love of God motivates him to you. Hallelujah. Has drawn you, has drawn you, has drawn you. The love of God when many of you have just been soaking in the love of God and it has brought healing and freedom to your life. Hallelujah. And it has touched you and mended you. The love of God. The love of God is in your life. And I want to tell you that, the, that, that if you are a born-again believer, you ought to be filled with the love of God. Amen? And this ought to be a sign in your heart. And so let's go to 1 John chapter 4 together. 1 John chapter 4. And I'm going to work through this passage. And uh, this passage of Scripture is the passage that we're highlighting this morning. And so you can, you can mark it up, um, note it, and meditate on it all week long and let this passage get into your spirit. Okay? I have a mantra that I always say during the prayer meetings in the mornings, and that is this. We read the Word, we pray the Word, and then we live the Word, right? We read the Word, we pray the Word, and then we live the Word. And so we're going to read the Word this morning, and we're going to pray the Word this morning, and then we're going to send you out to live the Word this morning. And in verse 7, this was one of the first verses that I memorized as a young believer. 1 John 4, 7 and 8. In fact, if you know the song, sing it with me. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not, knoweth not God, for God is love. Beloved. Let us love one another, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. All right, that was good. Some of you have been Christians a long time, if you know that one. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Now, listen to this next statement, and this is why it's a part of this message. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Let me read that backwards. Let me reverse it. If you are born of God and if you are of God, you love. It is one of the central evidences that God has done a work in your heart, right? And verse 8 confirms it in the negative, on the negative side. He who does not love does not know God because God is love. And so, the evidence of real Christianity is not how many times a week you come to church, although I think it should be at least three. <laughs> Just a little plug there. Not how much 
even that you read your Bible. Not how much you pray. The Pharisees prayed all the time. They didn't have an ounce of love in them. But if you've been born of God, love is the evident fruit. Interesting. Interesting. Love. Now this word love, as in 1 Corinthians 13, is the word agape. Agapeo. It's the God kind of love. It's unconditional. It runs deep. So this isn't just brotherly love, you know, like like 1960s peace. This is real, genuine, God kind of love that you can only that you can only be saturated with if you're in relationship with the one that gives it. And that's Jesus. Jesus went to the cross, resurrected from the dead, so that you could receive and know and give and impart and be a transducer of the love of God. Transmitter, whatever a transducer is, somebody knows. So that you can be saturated in the love of God. I think that Christians in this day and age of anger, we live in a culture of anger. It is everywhere. If you watch the news, the news is more about why other people are wrong and why I'm right. And some of that's okay if you need, you need to stay abreast of what's happening, but if you're not careful, the same cynicism that's in that newscaster will get into you. And the culture that we live in is one of anger, of one of intolerance. In fact, there's a, in society, there's a constant radar that we've been trained uh, to, 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 uh, to line people up and judge them as to whether I can let them in my world or not. And it's an angry culture that we live in. But the culture of the kingdom is different than that. Hallelujah. The culture of the kingdom is a culture of love. Hallelujah. And so we should should resist the cynicism that's in the world. We should resist that hardness that the world is constantly trying to put on us. And we should stay soft and pliable. Keep ourselves in the love of God. And it's a conscious thing that you have to engage in. I'm staying in the love of God. I'm not going there. I have opinions about things. I have opinions about things. And if you want to talk to me about my opinions about things, I'll be happy to talk with you about my opinions about things. But I want you to know that more than anything, I want you to to sense the love of Jesus from my life. And I believe that Christians ought to be marked not by what they're against, but by the love of God. By the love of God.
Now, this doesn't mean we don't stand up for truth. We have got to stand up for truth. The Christians in this day have got to stand up for truth. I believe that. But even in that, I want to be filled, saturated with the love of God. Now, let's keep reading here. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. And that's John 3.16 reworded. Jesus was sent because of the love of God so that you might live. Thank you, Lord. In this is love. Not that we first loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. So, another verse says, while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Long before I had love in my heart for God, he was pouring love out on me. Long before I lived in such a way that I even had the audacity to think I could possibly uh, earn or, you know, I've done a good job here, Lord. Long before that was even a possibility, although that thinking is wrong too, God loved me. I wasn't even thinking about him. And he loved me. I did not love God first. He loved me first. And you might be here this morning making some decisions about what you think about God. And you might not know what you think about God, but I want, I want you to know He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. When we love people like God loved us, it gives us a whole lot more patience. When we have a revelation of how far the love of God went for us, it helps us go a little bit further towards those that we don't think deserve it. The love of God. Beloved, if God so loved us, here's, here's the conclusion. Then we ought to love one another. We ought to love one another. If the sole mark, which it's not, but if the sole mark of Christianity was how you love other people, how genuine is your faith? Just do your own little assessment. If God loved us, He's called us to love one another. Now, this next portion of Scripture dovetails right with what uh, Pastor Cammy preached a couple weeks ago about being a part of the community of believers. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And His love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us because He has given us of His Spirit. So last week we talked about being led by the Spirit 
And it fits right in with this concept of love. If we're led by the Spirit, we will love one another. We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God in him. This is good stuff. Verse 17. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now, is somebody that's bold in the day of judgment, is that person sure of their faith? That's what John is writing this for. He wants you to be sure of your faith. And if the love of God is in us and flows through us, guess what that does? That gives us boldness in the day of judgment. Because you and I, Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed once for every single one of us to die and then to face judgment. But God, uh, while others will fear that day, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fear God on that day, but I'm not going to be afraid that day. Does that make sense to you? I'm going to stand in boldness that day because I know who is my Redeemer, and I know what He has done in me. Hallelujah. And I know that I have received His love, and imperfect as I am, I'm trying to give His love, and it's flowing through me. Praise God. And it gives me boldness. In the day of judgment. Wow. Thank you, Father. God wants you to know. Hallelujah. Verse 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves torment. He who fears has not been perfected in love. We love him because he first loved us. Verse 20 is what I wanted to get to with regard to the body. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he does not love his brother whom he has seen. If he does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And so, the horizontal relationship that we have with the people in this room matters it matters we're talking about community we're talking about uh, signs that i know that i've got the real deal if i have an aversion to the to the church to to the church community then i have to question Do I have the real deal or not? 
Because God has called us to love one another. The evidence of the evidence of what is happening in my heart, if it's real or not, is manifested this way to one another. That's why David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. That's why he was wounded when it was his friend that worshipped with him in the altars that came against him. He was wounded by that. It hurt him because he cared about the Lord's people. And it starts, friends, in the household of faith. In the New Testament, they had common concern one for another. They rejoiced with those who rejoiced. They wept with those who wept. They wanted to be together. When the church does not want to be together, but we just tolerate being together, something is not healthy. Something is not right. And don't be, the, don't be the one that says, yeah, it's everybody else's fault. Be the one that says, God, you know that I don't have real affection. Get, get honest with God. I don't have real affection for the brothers and sisters in Christ like I should. It's primarily not a horizontal problem. You need the real deal. You need God to touch you afresh and anew. You need God to, to saturate you. Because when that happens, there, it becomes, it becomes uh, like, like magnetic. We want to be together. We want to show affection for one another. We want to love one another. This is powerful. This is powerful. If you do not love your brother whom you've seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? The test for my love for God is not how high I lift my hands in worship. It's not how many goosebumps that I have on my neck when the presence of God comes. It's not whether I come down to the front and dance or not. It's not any of those things. The test, the real, the biblical test of whether I love God or not is whether I love the people that love God. Jesus said in John 13, he said, a new command I give to you. And I can't believe it's a new command. I can't believe it's something that, the, that God's people just didn't, just didn't possess all along. But it, they didn't. They, they, they based everything on just the raw mechanical religion. But Jesus said, a new commandment I give to you. That you love one another. By this will all men know that you are my disciples. By your love... For one another. If you, if you do not have love for the brothers or the sisters in the house, 
then the question, why, is a real question that you need to ask. Fruit of having the real deal. This is why in the New Testament, the gift of hospitality is so important. We have one another over. We, we, uh, we hang out together. We share meals together. I like sharing meals with people. It's a good thing, amen? I, I don't have to say it. Somebody else said it. I heard it. They loved one another. In the culture, the direction that the culture is going, it's going to be more and more and more and more and more important that we're part of the family of God. It's not going to get less important. Things were difficult for the New Testament church, and and Paul said this. Actually, we're not sure it's Paul, but I think it is. In Hebrews, it says this, let's not give up meeting together. Hebrews 10, 24. Let's not give up meeting together. Some are in the habit of giving up meeting together. And we see that in our culture, don't we? What has COVID done? It's created a habit by which we're not meeting together. But let's all the more, as we see the day approaching, meet together, love one another, love one another. Verse 21, look at this. This commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. That's a, that's a command. So we're asking the question, do I have the real deal? Do I have the real deal? Part one is, I'm led by the Spirit. Part two is, do I have love for the brothers and the sisters in Christ? In chapter five, it says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, is born of God. Now, now th- this next phrase is a little wordy, but I want to break it down. Everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. So who's the one that birthed you into the kingdom? God, we read it in John chapter 1. We have a right. We have a right to be children of God, not born of blood, not born of the will of man, not born of water, not born of any of those things, but born of God. And how can you be born of God? Because you've been begotten by God. And it says that if we love the one who begot us, that's God, then it is it is the natural progression to love those who have been begotten. Can I tell you that you are my greatest evidence 
beyond my own life, you are my greatest evidence that God is real. You have been begotten of God. You have been born again. You have come into relationship with God. And because of that, there is an affection that we share that goes beyond personality. You can probably think of a few people even in this room that have a different personality than you. goes beyond all the things that the world draws attention to that divide us. We are born of God. Thank you, Jesus. I have two brothers and a sister. My one brother, my one brother's in the Philippines right now. He got married on Monday in the Philippines. Guess what? I didn't choose him. He's just my brother. He wasn't even born of the will of the parents. He was a surprise. <laughs> but he's my brother. And it's the same in the kingdom. People like to choose their brothers and sisters. Well, I don't like the fellowship in that group or this or that. We don't choose who God brings into the kingdom. We just love them. Thank you, Father. I'm going to ask Alexandra to come. Now's when we have a foot washing. <laughs> We're not going to do that. I will only do that if God absolutely tells me to. <laughs> but what I, what I want to do is just for each one of us to look at our heart and say, God, is there love in my heart for the body of Christ? We're not here to judge your love level. We're not here to say how connected you are or not. But in, the, in your own personal relationship with Jesus, these things matter. And I would like each one of us to, to just, in your walk with the Lord right now, Say, God, do I have the real deal? I want the real deal in my life. I want your love to flow through me. I don't want to just get excited when we worship. I don't just want to lift my hands when we sing. God, I want there to be real love in my heart 
for the body. God, in this room, there are people that have been wounded by the body. And it cuts and it hurts. Maybe listening online, there's somebody that's been wounded by the body. God, I'm asking for a fresh saturation of the love of God that goes beyond all of our faults. Lord, I'm thankful that you went beyond my faults. I've got a lot of them. I'm thankful that you went beyond my sin, my shortcoming, and you loved me. You loved me. And God, I want to be full of that love. I don't, I don't want to just know, know of it. I want to receive it. And I want to live in it. And God, so often, my fallen nature just sh shines too bright and gets in the way. God, I'm asking that you would saturate us with the love of God. And I pray, God, that you would fan into flame our love for one another. Our love for one another, I pray that it would be real. And I pray that it will be strong. God, if there is a thing in our hearts that's taken root, that is an aversion to the church for this reason or that reason. The reason is probably good or real. But I just ask that you would just lift that aversion right now. Just lift it off right now in the name of Jesus. Just lift it off in the name of Jesus. I feel the pleasure of God right now. And if, if, if you've had that in your heart, just say, Lord, lift that off of me. Lord, the enemy works overtime to divide believers one from another. He's the author of division. He's the author of of confusion. He's the author of unforgiveness and bitterness. We refuse right now to allow the enemy to take, to take a place in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we want to walk in the real deal. So we just ask that you would just saturate us right now in Jesus' name. And that you would fill us and flood us. Jesus, you know everything that's happening in the church. And you have not abandoned her. Because you love her. And I pray, Jesus, that you would give me that affection for your people.
God, for this local body, I pray, God, that, Lord, our our number one trait would not even be faith. We call ourselves Faith Church. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And I ask God that the greatest crown on this house will be your love. God, I ask that the fellowship that we have, the events that we're doing this summer, the fun events, the summer of fun, God, would not be be about the events even so much. But about the relationship that we have one with another. Thank you, Father. If you want God to just fill you up with his love right now, just slip your hands up like this. Just gently. And just say, Jesus... Fill me with your love. 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 Thank you, Jesus. Oh, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how you love. Yes, you love us. Oh, how you love us. Oh, how you love us. Oh, how you love us. Oh, I'd like every married couple right now to, to uh, just uh, take each other's hand. Father, I just thank you for marriages in this room. And I pray, God, that they would be saturated in the love of God. I pray that your love, Lord, would rise above our arguments, our our difficulties, our struggles. I pray, God, that your love would crown the marriages in this house. In the name of Jesus, I just bless the marriages in this, in this room. And I thank you for your love, God. Being the glue, being the centerpiece. If God so loved me, I can so love you. Hallelujah. I pray that that would be the theme of our marriages, of our homes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing this one more time. Lift it to the Lord. Yes, He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Oh, how he loves Yeah, yes, he loves us. Oh, how he loves us. 
Father, I want to pray for lonely people right now. In this room, outside of this room, people are lonely. And I ask in Jesus' name that you would add them to the church. Hallelujah. God, you added daily those who were being saved. And then you, later on, you multiplied the numbers that were being saved day after day after day after day. You took lonely, hurting people and you added them to the body of Christ where they would know the love of God that surpasses knowledge. It's big. Lord, I pray that the reputation of your kingdom, not just Faith Church, but God, other churches around the city, I ask that the reputation of your kingdom would flourish. I don't know about everything of those people, but I know this. They love me. I pray that that would be the testimony of even lost people in this town. That they feel the love of Jesus from your people. They see the love one for another that we have. God is with this litmus test. I ask God that you would increase our love for one another. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Amen. Amen. You might carry things that you need to talk about. I want you to know that we're here for you. Because you, you've got to get through the roadblocks that you have. And I don't want to minimize those or say that some of those are not real. You don't know how many times I've said I'm sorry to other believers. But God is increasing the unity of this house. And it is like oil that pours down on the beard of Aaron, Psalm 133. And it starts with our love for one another. Praise God.